Blog Talk Radio. Black Hole Radio presents Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. With your hosts, Rudolph Muhammad and Yusuf Muhammad. There's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the dealers coming. Don't need no ticket. You just stay Train to Jordan Picking up passengers Coast to coast Faith is the key Open the doors and bottom Blessings, peace, and blessings. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, a program that comes before you, Lord willing, every Friday from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, needing you to survive. We want you to survive. I am uh, your co-host, Brother Yusuf Muhammad, along with our beautiful co-host, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad. We look forward to serving you in the next two hours as we engage in that which has been revealed to us to help reveal to you that as a community, if you will, and Ummah, if you will, we can make our community a safe and more decent place to live, and we can live in peace and in harmony, starting with mind, body, and soul. So beginning all things in the creator of ourselves, the beneficent, the merciful, gives me great pleasure to greet you with the greeting words of peace. We say it in the language of our ancestors. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you, Brother Rudolph. And for those 
who classify themselves as Muslim in terms of your faith tradition. We're on the other side of a beautiful month of Ramadan where we all experience some level of intense heat. And so the fact that we were blessed to be sustained during this period of time, I must say Eid Mubarak. Eid Kareem. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those who are unaware of that greeting, it's just meaning that this is the time that we celebrate the breaking of the fast. This is a time that we thank Allah, the supreme being, for giving us the endurance to sustain ourselves and refrain ourselves during this ninth month of the lunar calendar, Ramadan, the month that the Holy Quran was revealed to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and it also signifies as we go into the next month of Shawwal, that we thank Allah, we should have reoccurring happiness that we were able to uh, engage uh, and uh, become better human beings during this month of Ramadan. So again, welcome, brothers and sisters. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our consistent and constant listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our first-time listeners. We thank all of you for the honor of your ear and the privilege of your presence. And so as we move forward, it gives me great pleasure to uh, give you an extension of my welcome with his welcome, our dear brother, Rudolph T. Muhammad. Thank you, Brother Yusuf. All praises are due to God. Um, ooh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to think before I speak, and and see how I'm going to open up today. I'm just so excited for today's show. So let's begin all things in the name of the one God, that one who was here before anybody else was, that one who is the great I am that I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You know, for those who, and again, out of respect to everyone, we respect everyone here. So, you know, don't take this anyway. But for those who do not believe in the religious aspect of the creation, and they say that life started because of the Big Bang Theory, well, I'm talking about the one who created the bank so that they could have a theory. I'm talking about that one was here before time even started. So he's called by many names in different geographical locations on the planet, but we're taught that Allah is the best name. It encompasses all of his attributes. Yes, he is Jehovah. Yes, he is Yahweh. Yes, he is Shango. Yes, he is. You know, all of those names are good and they are respectable. And so wherever you are, whatever faith practice you were raised in, you prefer, you choose, we're talking about that one that was, is the creator of all that was, 
is and will be. That's who we're talking about. So we thank him for giving us another day in his wonderful creation called life. In our particular faith practice, being Muslim, we thank him, again, as Brother Yusuf said, because we are just coming out of our holy month of Ramadan, a season of intense fire, a time we abstain from physical pleasures from sunup to sundown. And those physical pleasures let your mind go wherever you want it to go. But I'm talking about food and drink, those things that are the very necessities of life itself. But we go without them for a period of the day. And then in the evening, we eat and we drink and we interact with our family and our community. And it's all a beautiful thing because it teaches us and shows us that, one, we can do more than we know we're capable of doing if we just put our mind to it. Can be the master of circumstances, and we can master the environment that we're in if we use a little bit more of the brain power that we were born with and stop holding it so that at the auction we can get a better price for a virtually unused brain. That was a joke. Mm. That was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, brother. Uh, But today, this topic today, Oh, my God, this topic that we're going to talk about today, it is a much-needed topic, and we're, never, we're not going to exhaust it in, in this little two, less than two-hour period, so there will be a follow-up, but we have to get the talk started. Now, let me preface it with this, Brother Yusuf, and then I'll let you take it, and, um, you know, you can give the um, – rules of engagement, and uh, if there are any uh, FEMA bulletins um, that are of particular concern this week, we can get those out of the way before the callers start calling in on this topic. There's a book called Medical Apartheid. (laughs) Go ahead. I'll never forget when I read that book. the preface of the book, before you even get into the first chapter, oh, my God, that introductory few pages where it tells the history of the more affluent medical institutions in the United States of America, and it tells the history of how they came into um, their so-called Affluentness. Mm. It talks about the uh, what? Let me see. See, I, I I I want the listeners to know, I have never claimed to be a scholar 
or scholarly or even an intellect. I'm, I'm not. I'm just an EMT with a GED. But, I, I, you know, I'm trying to find a word to describe the horrific behavior and conditions that these medical colleges practiced back then on people of color, and mainly our sisters. And it led them to come up with the unspoken practice that they use now that black people in general, but the black woman in particular, does not experience pain. And this is why you can go to the hospital and you could be telling them that you're in pain and telling them your symptoms and what's going on, and they, are, they have a very nonchalant attitude about it, or they get downright defensive about it and try and tell you what you're feeling because they've been taught all through their medical career that black women have a very high tolerance for pain. So you can't really believe them when they're saying they're in pain. Oh, they're just drug-seeking. And so all black women are just drug addicts, and they're just going to the hospital just to try and get drugs. Now, if that was the case, why would she go to the emergency room when she can go to the local corner? And get the drugs if that's what she really wants, Brother Yusuf. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, throwing this stuff out there because this is the stuff that's on my brain right now. Yes, sir. So, with that premise, and then from working in the field, I've watched the disparity in treatment between people of color and others, where this pain thing comes in. Now, again, I told you I'm an EMT, and so we use pain as another vital sign. Aside from blood pressure, heart rate, respirations, skin color, temperature, and condition, uh, pupil status, then pain is the sixth vital sign. And they've come up with all of these charts. They've come up with all of these charts because it's really hard for some people to um, properly uh, uh, um, interpret the pain and then get you to understand what they're feeling when you're asking them as a clinician or a healthcare provider. So they have these different charts. And they point to this, and whichever face they point to, there's a number attached to it. And then we write that down, and that's how they determine the type of pain that you're in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But remember, mm-hmm. the medical field is a practice. It's a practice. And that's what's right. a rule today will be obsolete tomorrow. So just, just, just understand that. 
But the basis up to the whole thing that I'm saying right now before we even get into this show is we, and we were told this years ago, Brother Yusuf, by the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, we must do for ourselves or suffer the consequences. That's right. And That's right. I only say that because being the child of Rocky Robinson and growing up in the only black volunteer ambulance service in the nation, it let me understand that, I mean, aside from other things, but it let me understand that there is no impossibility, so it's not impossible for us as people of color to have our own medical institutions because before the illusion of inclusion called integration, we had them. Go ahead, go ahead. That's right. They were underfunded. We didn't have the resources that the other ones had, but we still had some place to call our own. We had a place to call home. We had a place where they may not have had the best equipment there, but you could get a health care provider who had compassion for human suffering. And I don't care how intelligent a person is. They can quote the, the medical book back and forth. They can get hundreds on every written test they have. If they do not possess compassion for human suffering, how good could they possibly be at helping a person as they go through one of the worst times of their life? Because as a clinician, that's what we do. We meet you on possibly the worst day of your life. And that's how we, our assessment of you, because that's the first impression, and that will be the judgment of you every time we see you. And that's neither here nor there, but that's just what it is, Brother Yusuf. So, that's right. You know, if... And now, in my brother Saad's voice, wouldn't it be nice (laughs) if we had a facility that the moment we pulled up to the front of the facility, we were greeted with a smile and a caring person came out to us to assess us before we even made it through the door to see what our problem was or why we were there and to reassure us and let us know that you have come to the right place and help is on the way. Be nice to know that when you got to that institution and you walked through those doors, you didn't suffer and get second or third rate care, you were being cared for by some of the brightest minds in the universe. You were being cared for by people who had compassion for you, who looked like you, who talked like you, who felt what you felt, who go through the same vicissitudes of life that you go through. Wouldn't it be nice? 
All right, I'm going to stop right there, Brother Yusuf. I'm going to kick it back to you because this rabbit hole is getting deep. Brother Yusuf. <laughs> yes, sir, Brother Rudolph. Beautiful baseline assessment, brother. We have someone in the line at this time. Welcome to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Could you please state your name and where you're calling from? Yes, peace, everybody. This is Naja Stevenson calling out of Mount Vernon, New York. Sister Naja, peace, queen, peace, peace. <laughs> have peace, you been peace, listening or you just go. came peace. in? We yes, have, yes uh, I just came in. Okay, and forgive me, I got a couple of phones going off simultaneously, but our dear sister who called in is a recent mother. She happens to be my daughter-in-law, and so she's got my granddaughters all around her, and her time is, I'm sure, uh, precious, as all of our times is precious, but you know when the babies call, they call, but uh, call on you. Mothers have to do what mothers have to do. Oh, my goodness. We got another caller on the line. Uh, welcome to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Could you state your name and where you're calling from? Uh, my name is Andrea Petaway, and I'm calling from Newport News, Virginia. Excellent. Sister Andrea is my niece, Brother Rudolph, Brother Forrest. So we're yes, grateful sir. to have these recent uh, mothers. Uh, give birth and, um, you know, a couple of things, sisters, if you could just hold on for a second. Brother Rudolph laid a wonderful base, and um, I got a call from one of our listeners who said she felt like her blood pressure was going up just hearing about the disparate impact that many of our mothers experience giving birth to children. And so I want you to know that, you know, this is nothing new, really, but... It's not an accident, Brother Rudolph. You started with the book Medical Apartheid. Yes, sir. Because as I looked into the introduction, one paragraph talked about a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., who stated, of all the forms of inequality, injustice in health is the most shocking and the most inhumane. In 1965, Dr. King spoke these words in Montgomery, Alabama at the end of the Selma to Montgomery march that had been attended by the black and white physicians of the Medical Committee for Human Rights. King had invited the doctors not only to give medical succor to injured marchers, but to also witness the abuse suffered at the hands of segregationists. With these Almost unnoticed words, King ushered in a new era of civil rights because as delegate to Congress, Donna Christian Christensen, a medical doctor who, by the way, has been a guest on our show, she was the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus Health Brain Trust, and she declared, and I quote, health disparities are the civil rights issue of the 21st century. Thus, Dr. King's uh, alarm over racial injustice was precedent, and were he alive today, his concern would be redoubled. Counting evidence of the racial health divide confronts us everywhere we look. As you said, Brother Rudolph, from doubled black infant death rates to African-American life expectancies that fall years behind whites. 
infant mortality of African Americans is twice that of white, and black babies born in more racially segregated cities have higher rates of mortality. The life expectancy of African Americans is as much as six years less than that of whites. I just wanted to buttress it wasn't an accident that I had the book in front of me, Brother Rudolph, when you brought that up and talked about the introduction. (laughs) But in addition to that, uh, young ladies, our baseline assessment uh, continues as it's stated on the front of the Final Call newspaper this week. It's titled Taking Charge of Black Maternal Health. The subtext says black women who face higher levels of complications and death while pregnant are frustrated with doctors and hospitals and do not provide the care they need. Many are looking to pursue alternatives for their birthing experiences. And in the article entitled Black Women, Maternal Health, and Exploring Childbirth Alternatives, written by Sister Tarika Muhammad, I'm just going to read the first part, and then I'll have you sisters share with us what your experiences have been as it relates to maternal health and uh, your childbirth experience. So the article begins like this. April Valentine thought she was going to deliver her firstborn like any other mother at Centinella Hospital in Inglewood, California. However, in just 24 hours, she died before meeting her baby girl. The 31-year-old mother's family said that hospital staff ignored her complaints of pain and swelling and denied her doula being present. Makisha Mack is Ms. Valentine's family's spokesperson. She told the final call that the family is currently cooperating with an investigation into the mother's death. Quote, they pretty much keeping their heads up, she said. There is an investigation going on with the doctor, the nurses, and the hospital, unquote. After multiple attempts to reach Centinella Hospital for comment, the final call did not receive a response. According to its website, 22, 17, Centella Hospital was rated as an, quote, unquote, award-winning facility for labor and delivery excellence by HealthGrades, an online resource for information and ratings about physicians and hospitals. Ms. Valentine went into the hospital January 9th. She died on January 10th. This tragedy is unfortunately not new for black mothers. According to a 2022 Pew Research study, 63% of black women say they've experienced at least one of seven negative health care experiences. The most common experiences being that they were not taken seriously. The other six experiences were having to speak up to get proper care, being rushed by their health care provider, a feeling of being treated with less respect than other patients, a feeling that they receive lower quality care than other patients, that they were looked down on due to weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, 
and that their women's health concerns were not taken seriously. As a result, many pregnant black women are considering their options elsewhere. So I'll put a pin in it at this time. And again, thank you, Sister uh, Nasia. Thank you, Sister Andrea, for taking time out of your motherhood duties. And uh, just ask you to share with our listening audience, what were your experiences? Were they similar to something you heard? Were they different? Um, and, and, and both of you have more than one child. So, I mean, take your time. We'll go with Nasia first and then Andrea after her. Um, okay. So, yeah, for, for me, um, I gave birth to both of my daughters in the hospital. I will say that I was blessed enough to have safe deliveries for both of them. I will say it's very important in my experience to have someone, your partner, if it's your parents, your spouse, whoever, to be there to advocate for you, to show that you have somebody there that loves you, that will care for you, that understands, you know, what what needs to happen, what has to go on around you, and just give you that extra level of care because, you know, as you're in delivery and labor, it's kind of hard to focus on, you know, questions being asked and, you know, your pain level is high. So, I would just say it's important to have somebody to advocate for you. Um, I will also say that I feel fortunate enough to have the nurses that were there um, while I was giving birth to my first daughter were all African-American nurses and um, Hispanic, so they looked like me. So that did give me a little extra level of comfort, um, just knowing that I was around women that looked like me because I understand the the unfortunate um what can I say, not risk, but the narrative that's put out there of black women and how we're treated in the hospital. So it did just give me that extra level of comfort just knowing that I was being taken care of other black women because I do feel like, you know, I never know what could happen if it, if it's just somebody that's there just to get a check. I just feel like sometimes, you know, you're taken care of other by other women that look like you with a certain level of love and comfort there. So that was always helpful to have. Um, and I, like I said, it was a safe delivery. I didn't really experience anything that was too traumatic outside of just giving birth. Um, and for my second daughter, I did go to a separate hospital, which was in White Plains. And I was told that they were a little, uh, better just as far as the, the comfort that you get because the rooms are by yourself and things like that. So I also did get this, you know, the same level of care there. I did have more um, white nurses and Caucasians around me in that neighborhood, in that area, but the, the level of care I do feel was the same. So I do, I do feel fortunate enough to say that I had great experiences in the hospital because I know, unfortunately, not a lot of women, especially black women, are, have that same level of care. And it's sad to say that, you know, you have to think about you know, people mistreating you when you go to the hospitals for a certain treatment when you're sick or giving birth and things like that. It's just sad to think that you have to even think about how people are going to take care of you when you go there to get taken care of. So um, mm-hmm. I, I was just grateful to, to be able to, to go there and come out with my baby's healthy. My husband was there to hold my hand and, like I said, advocate and speak up for me in times that, I wasn't able to, you know, really focus, and he knew how to answer all the questions. So 
that also was a huge help. I think that it's just important to have somebody there that knows you and that's there for you. So um, those were those are my experiences, but it, it's definitely scary each and every time because you just never know if people are going to pay attention and listen to you and understand you. Or so it's just it's, it's definitely scary each time. But uh, like I said, I've been fortunate, and by the grace of Allah, I went in and came out with my babies healthy, and we've been home. <laughs> Well, shout out to your parents, number one. I vaguely know who they are, and shout out to your husband, Taj Malik. I sure don't know who he is, but um, <laughs> praise be to Allah. Sister Andrea, go right ahead, Queen. Thank you, Sister Nation. Hi. Um, so with my first son, I attempted a home birth, and I was at home for about 20 hours, and then I had to be transported to the hospital, um, I did have a Caucasian midwife only because there wasn't um, anyone of color in my area. Um, at the time, I remember it being a really good experience for me because she had a an assistant who was a doula that was very supportive. But I remember about two months ago, I was on my Facebook, and there's this group for midwives, and apparently there there's, like, some type of case going on where a lot of the Caucasian midwives in our area have been caught with evidence of being racist towards the black mothers that they take on. And a part of that was my midwife that I had, and in in these in the evidence you just saw where they mentioned that they send the black moms to the hospital sooner just to get them off of their hands and that's when my husband and I we reflected on our experience and realized how um she just was very nonchalant during my laboring and you know I remember her going into the room and going to sleep while I was laboring and now it made me wonder did I not have my water my at home birth because of her just getting tired of being around me because I mm. was a black woman um so definitely a lot of thoughts came from that um but I had a successful natural delivery that's what kind of made me feel like well I think I probably could have had my baby at home but um, with my second child, I went ahead and had him in the hospital um, because the doctor who did deliver my first child was awesome and he was of color. Um, but unfortunately, when you're a part of a big practice, you're not promised to get that same doctor. So this experience was totally different by the time of delivery. And we got to the hospital Um I just remember this nurse from beginning, she just, she wanted to send me home right away. You know, I'm explaining to her that I know my body. I know when something's different. You know, she was very agitated with me in the triage room. Mm. And just as she was getting ready to send me home, she checked me and was like, oh, wow, you're, you're almost ready to deliver. And so I just remember from there being very upset at the experience I was receiving because I could have easily walked out the door and delivered my baby outside. Her mm -hmm. nonchalant attitude, you know, being upset at me as if I was an inconvenience to her. Um, my husband was definitely just trying to stay calm, you know, during something so traumatic, but he felt the same way. He felt her energy just from the time I walked in to the time that I ended up having to have a C-section. Um, it, it, it was to the point where she even came to me and said, you know, you can ask for a different nurse if you want. 
And I mean, mm. I think she knew her behavior was just unacceptable. So um, I just remember that uh, my husband and I talking about it afterwards when we decided to have one more child and, you know, he just talked about his place and advocating for me during that time and how he felt about it. So when we went into my last child that I just had, um, I just remember him being very vocal for me. We had a great experience, but he just made sure from the initial time we stepped in, he advocated for me, he, you know, so that I could focus on bringing the baby here. Um, I was, scheduled to have a c-section and i pushed through and noticed like you know these doctors will really push you to want to just cut you open and you're so mm-hmm. capable of being doing so much more our bodies are really meant to be able to go through this experience and luckily by just pushing through and having the support of my husband and actually having the doctor that delivered my first one he's super supportive of natural birth i ended up having my baby naturally vaginally after already having a C-section. So I had a really good Beautiful. Thank you, Andrea. And praise God for your husband, who I vaguely know. And thank God for your parents. (laughs) Thank God for your parents. Well, look, it sounds like somebody else is in the line. Welcome to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Please state your name and where you're calling from. Assalamu alaikum. This is Sister Safira calling from Atlanta. Wa alaikum salam, Sister Safira. What's your thoughts, Queen? Do you have any questions, comments? Hold on. Before well, I... she even gives her thoughts. Hold on. Before she even gives her thoughts. Woo. Praise be to Allah. I heard that your class went a little over today. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to get out. Okay, all Thank right. you. Now, sister, before you go into all of that, I want you to tell them. Did you say room? something, Brother Rudy? Because you... um, my phone went out. Oh, I said, yeah, I I'm want sorry, you I'm to tell to... the listeners. Let me get you on the, um, let me get you on my car, my car. Uh... Okay, all right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, Brother Yusuf, <laughs> yes. So both of those stories that we just heard, all praises mm-hmm. due to Allah, were. That's right. Um, Happy endings with some stuff in the middle. Praise mm-hmm. be to Allah for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, and we wish that all of the stories could turn out like that. But unfortunately, we know they don't. Um, but to the, the, the husbands, oh, man, they, they, they did a yeoman's job as And that's one of the keys to all of this. Anytime you go to the hospital, you need to have someone with you that can advocate for you if you're the patient. It's ludicrous to think that a person is in pain and going through a situation and you want to, and we're going to ask you a hundred different, no, a hundred of the same questions over and over again. Everybody that comes to you is going to ask you the same questions. Patient gets frustrated. We, uh, you know, you wonder why they're getting frustrated because they just answered these same hundred questions four times. That's why they get, and nothing is being done to them, for, to them, for them. So, um, but that's just the process. So, the, one one thing that if you're listening to this, take away from this. Anytime you go to the emergency room, to the hospital, doctor's office. 
take someone with you if you can because you need another set of ears in there to hear the things that you're not going to hear, even though you're sitting there and they're talking because you're the one that's in pain and going through the situation. You're not going to be focused on everything they're saying. You need a first set of ears for that. Second, you need to have either a living will or a health care proxy done and in writing when you go. What that does is that legally gives someone else the authority to speak on your behalf if you cannot speak for yourself. All right, so I just want to throw those two things out, Brother Yusuf. Now, Sapira, are you on? Yes. Sapira? Brother Yusuf, can you hear her? I can. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right, Safira, I want you to, uh, again, introduce yourself to them, tell them who you are, tell them what you do, and what group you're connected to. Let's do that first. Yes, sir. Um, my name is Sister Safira. I am a doula and midwife assistant. Um, I am a founding member of the Community Midwives National Alliance and also a member of Midwives Over Georgia. Um, these are organizations, one, one organization, which is the Community Midwives National Alliance, is looking to legalize all birth pathways, uh, get them all uh, legalized in Georgia. That means whether you want to be a home birth midwife or you want to be a um, certified uh, CPM, certified professional midwife, um, and then also, obviously, the certified nurse midwife is already legalized um, in Georgia. Um, so that group I work with, we had um, we have a bill on the Senate floor trying to add on the other pathways because our idea is that one a woman should be able to choose the way that she wants to birth. It should not be restricted by law or man, and so um, that's the reason why we're looking for uh, legalization of all pathways. The other group is happily traditional, um, and it accepts all other pathways as well. It's just midwives that come together collectively, um, may do case studies, may, you know, meet up and talk about different things that are going on in the community, and even get advice from one another. Um, so that's it. I myself am the owner of Spa Dulala. I have been in business for over 18 years now, um, and I am an advocate in doula. I currently am an EMT. I just graduated with my EMT basis, and I will be right now. testing. Hold on, hold on, Thank hold you. on, hold on. <laughs> you got to learn to stop for the applause. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. Thank you. So I'll be, I soon will be testing. I'll be testing into the advanced EMT, um, in the next month. I'll be taking that test as well, and then I do plan on pursuing the medic. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so now, well, can you explain to the listeners 
Uh-huh. I, I just heard you mention two terms. You said midwife and doula. What's right. the difference? So a doula is trained to support, comfort, advocate, and assist a woman during her pregnancy um, and postpartum. A midwife is medically trained to know the signs of, uh, you know, birth and things that, not that doulas wouldn't know the signs of birthing, but it's just that they are medically trained to catch the baby and to also do things like internal exams and, you know, things of that nature, um, dealing with the with the inside okay. and outside of the body versus the doula is truly, um, she's more of a spiritual external um, piece, so to speak. She's not going to um, do exams, you know, and things of that. That's out of the scope of practice. Unless you're training as a midwife assistant or, you know, you have someone that you follow that's training you. Then you go into an apprenticeship or an assistant. Okay. Now, um, the reason that I wanted to bring that out was, uh, the reason I wanted to bring that out was because uh, I want people to understand these terms that we're talking about because it's going to come into play later on. Now, the yes. topic, this topic is black maternal health. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a, is this a systemic, um, are these systemic errors or is this a carefully instituted conspiracy mm-hmm. against yeah. a particular group of people? That's the caveat oh, that, to the question yeah. that I that 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 we're going with here. Uh, I mean, we already know the answer, but we just I just figured right. I'd throw it out there. Okay, right. going so, back to so, women have been right. having babies since humans have been on the planet. Exactly. There haven't always been operating rooms. There haven't always been labor and delivery, birthing centers, OBGYNs, uh, uh, obstetricians. There haven't always been those people around, those titles around, but the babies still kept coming, and they keep coming. There are people that are having babies right now as we speak that are nowhere near a hospital. There's no doctor or nurse around, but the baby is still coming. The baby's going to come, too. Right, right. So, you know, I say that only to say that um, this is a situation in life where nature is going to do what nature is going to do. Our job with this is not to tell a woman whether or not she has the right to do what she wants to do with her body. Our job is to assist her when she makes that decision into making sure that the circumstance or the situation is the best that it can be for her and the child as professionals. That's our job. So that being said, Georgia is one of the states where isn't it illegal 
Um, for jewelers to, uh, or they not recognized or something like that? Okay, so can I touch on some of what you said? Um, yeah. I do believe it's a marriage of a systemic issue and a straight-up disregard for black and uh, black and, let's say, use the term BIPOC um, people when it comes to birthing. Um, so, yes. The other thing is that midwife, wherever that term came from, means to be with women. Obstetrician means to cut. This is a surgeon looking for a surgery. Um, in Georgia, we are the second worst state in the United States um, to have a child. Uh, and right now, we went from three to four times more likely to die compared to a white woman to five to six times. It might be even higher um, at this point uh, for us to uh, to uh, for us to die, um, no matter what our socioeconomic status is or anything across the board, we are uh, definitely endangered when it comes to being in the state of Georgia. They have no regard. Um, a bill just passed for Medicaid to extend, I think, upward to six months after a mom has her baby to, to keep her coverage. Uh, for postpartum coverage, um, we're as 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 home home birthing practitioners, we don't leave a mother. We don't. First of all, we have an extensive relationship with her. After she has the baby, the first day we're with her, the second day, the third day, the sixth day, the fourteenth day, and anywhere between. And also, we also refer her out to go to the pedi- pediatrician within three days of the baby's birth. So it's an ongoing care model versus you had a baby and you in the hospital for a day and a half um, and don't call us until, you know, your six-week checkup. And in between that six-week checkup, this is where a lot of the deaths are occurring, not just in the hospital, not just in labor, but, um, uh, and you know, in between the six-week mark um, because, they don't want to hear the cries of, oh, something doesn't feel right. Oh, my chest hurts. Black women are looked at as we, as black people as don't have always been looked at as strong and, and complaining. So, one, we don't feel pain like everybody do is how they look at us. We're, we're tolerable. And we have that hand on our hip, you know, um, with an attitude, the black woman with an attitude thing. And these are some of the factors that go against us. What's even more alarming on, on when you talk about a systemic issue, within the system, you can be a black caretaker and treat the black woman just like your white counterpart. So that's, 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 where, the, that's where the systemic issue is raised. Now, the other issue, we already know, the plot against melanation. But, yeah, it's, it's really heartbreaking when um as a doula i'm in the if i'm in the hospital space with a client you know um how they literally practice on us you know i've watched uh i i decided you know i i really want to help the women in the hospitals but these women have to 
they have to know. They have and and as an advocate, you help and you learn. You help them to learn and you teach. But it has to be a very serious space where you have to take control of your birth as a family, from husband to wife. You know, because if you go into hospitals such as like um, practicing hospitals, meaning students come like an emery, they they right. want you to have and right teaching hospitals. I experienced where they knew the mom had meconium and did not tell her that she had meconium. Overnight, she the mother, you know, went through the labor, and they still had the mother. Now, this is where we want a C-section. This is where emergency is vital because meconium comes in different levels, you know. Sometimes right. it's a light liquid, a light green, a light, light tinge, maybe yellowish green. But when it's dark on, or Sabrina. it's thick. Sabrina, hold on one second. For the mm-hmm. listening audience, just so you Pardon know what me, she's talking right. about, mm-hmm. meconium means yes. that the waste material, waste products from the baby uh, is now in the bag of waters with the baby, and the baby right. is in jeopardy of inhaling uh, getting it into his lungs exactly. and inhaling yes. it into his system because he's literally surrounded by. It. All right, go ahead. We yes. Also, to even layman term term it a little bit more, it's the baby's first poop. So right. the baby would have taken it, like he said, in the in the sack. And um, so anyway, so this. In in particular, the last situation that, you know, I was in was that they did not perform an emergency C-section to protect that baby. But as I, as I thought about it and I, and I saw, and and I remembered how everything went in the process and I, I realized that this was for them to have practice on this type of situation, like intentional practicing on right. a baby who right. now is affected negatively and has brain damage because when they right. when they when that baby came out they had a whole team and was teaching and going on and on and on and I and it just dawned on me like whoa I've never been involved in something like that it was it was as technology as technology can get. Mm. And um, yes. they, they failed to Wicked. they failed to tell the mother, you know, what was going on with the parents. I should yeah. say. Yeah. So. This is Sephira. This, this is, is Brother Yusuf. Oh, go ahead, Brother Ruba. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Brother Yusuf. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask if Sister Nasia or Sister Andrea are still on. If you had any questions for Sister Sephira, based on you know, her beautiful uh, presentation thus far. Yes, I'm still here. This is, this is Nasia speaking. Um, I, I, uh, I don't think I have any questions. I did just want to also um, piggyback off of how you were saying that, you know, um, the African-American women or the nurses that are in the hospital can treat you just as the, the, the Caucasian counterparts because I did experience some 
I will say mistreatment, but not to the extent where, you know, a lot of the black mothers don't come out alive or it's serious, but I did receive some, just a certain level of care that I I thought I would get that I didn't get from an African-American nurse. This was in the height of COVID and it was August of 2020 and they wouldn't let my husband in with me because at first they were just allowing the mother in and she had me in a very uncomfortable um, stretcher in triage. I was in, on the stretcher, and there was just nobody asked to raise my head up. She was the one that was overseeing, you know, all the patients in triage, and it's like nobody checked on me. And I remember saying, you know, I, I see women of color in the hospital field, and you would naturally I'm comfortable, but there also can also be a case where it can be anybody still that can mistreat you or not give you that certain level of care that you're expecting when you go into the hospital. And I did also receive receive that um, during my first childbirth experience. And um, I just thought that it was funny that you also, that you had mentioned that because I, I could relate to, to that part as well. But that just brings me back to my point of just it, it being important to have somebody to advocate for you because like in Andrea's yeah. experience as well, in the triage, when I first went into labor, um, and I was in the triage department, the doctor looked at, at my cervix and said that I wasn't dilated enough and just told me to go home. And leaving, nobody was there to um, escort me. I had to walk to the elevator, go downstairs by myself, and give literally just leave the hospital on my feet by myself. And... Um, Luckily, my parents, who are also trained in the medical field, my father's an EMT and my mother's a nurse, they were, my husband, they were all downstairs and all that. I even walked out by myself. And, again, at the time, a lot of people that were there were people of color. So it's, it's, it's not to say that, you know, I'm not trying to discredit any, anybody or just say that it's only, you know, that white people, that Caucasian people are the only people that can mistreat black women. Anybody can do it, really. And in my experience, I've got a little things of both. But, I, again, I just thought that I've had my own experience, and I just thought that was funny that you did mention that because I, I was thinking that it, it really can be anybody. You just have to have the right people around you to be there and show that care for you when you go in. Right. And so it's a culture at this point. And, and that's, that's what that's we're it. trying to shake up, that's the it. culture of – um, first of all, birth is not an emergency. Let's just say that. So when you're in the hospital, you shouldn't have so many, you know, apparatuses on your birthing and experience that you, it's a very spiritual experience that should be held very highly, you know, very, very highly. And whether I'm in the hospital or in the home, that's how I treat it. The, the most, one of the most important things at this level of, um, birthing and form for self is to have a doula minimal mm-hmm. in the beginning like I, I would get hired and the husbands would say well what do we need her for you know what is this mm-hmm. what is that well when I would meet women they'd be like well I never heard of that and I'd explain to them I'm there to help you learn to advocate not just to advocate for you but to teach you how to advocate for yourself because in the situation right. where you are by yourself, you need to have, you know, uh, uh, a strong that, you know, you can do this and you can, you know, you can support yourself, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Just just to combat the things that you're going to um, encounter. 
because now we know that black women and women are being mistreated. Black women and Native American women are like the target in this country. There's no respect for the indigenous people of this, of this um, land here. You know, and it's almost like they teach, you know, it's almost like they, they're teaching people to do it this way. So, you know, again, it's back to that systematic behavior. Because now I'm a nurse and I went to school to know your body better than you know it. Oh, you're not feeling that pain because I'm the doctor. And I said, you're not feeling it. Now, midwives, first of all, white midwives have a high, very high um, mortality rate with black women. You know, just based mm-hmm. on that, that's why it's important for, uh, I'm not saying that all Caucasian women will be wrong to, to black women. Uh, uh, people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am saying that is you need someone that can relate to you and has that that um, unsystemized culture and level of empathy that can connect with you. You know, that's why at minimal a doula is awesome to have because doulas usually do this work out of passion. We do not get paid a lot of money. You know, there's money there in there, especially now because there's there's um, organizations that are putting money, you know, into the into sponsoring doulas for women. But it's not a lot of money. The women that I work with and, and myself, we have done this because we either had a traumatic birth experience, which was what triggered me, or we just love women and this is something that um, we're dedicated to. Beautiful. I don't know if Sister Andrea is still with us. Oh, right. She was she was engaged in her motherly duties, so she probably had to get back. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, we're at uh, five oh two into our first hour of this very interesting conversation and subject this week. We're joined by our dear sister, Sister Safira, who's a doula and a midwife assistant as. We're talking about black women, maternal health, and exploring childbirth alternatives. Uh, Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother Yusuf. Listen, we must do for self or suffer the consequences. I'm staying on that. I'm staying on that because if, if we're paying attention to current events and we're looking at the sign of the times, then we should see, one, the healthcare system as we know it, is broken. It's broke. And there is no fixing it. It's time to bring a new paradigm in for health. So because that is the case, not if, but because it is the case, then we need to start from the bottom and work our way up with this thing and build this um healthcare system that is in tune to the patient, it's designed for the patient, and it's designed by the patient, as a patient. It's like customer service. You go into a store, and they ask you, what would you like to see when you walk through here? Well, why not ask the patient the same thing? What would you like to experience when you come to this medical institution 
if you're coming to give birth, if you're coming to have heart surgery, if you're coming uh, um, uh, um, because of a diabetic-related crisis. You know, all of this information is out here, and we need to harness it so that we can create that state-of-the-art healthcare paradigm for our people and anybody that wishes to come. But make no mistake about it, I am not apologetic because I am looking out first and foremost for people of color. I won't apologize for it in any way, shape, or fashion. That doesn't mean that I'm not sympathetic or empathetic or compassionate to anybody else. It just means that first and foremost, I'm about people of color. Period. Hello. And I let that and and I let that be known in my practice that 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 my people are my priority. And there's nothing wrong with that because we've been other people's uh lack of priority for so long. You know? Mm-hmm. So Not to Hello? mention I'll always love my mama. She's my favorite girl. <laughs> My mother was with all right, don't get it twisted. I wouldn't be here if it was not for her and the agency of my father. But we have a question from one of our listeners, Sister Safira. They wanted to know, based on when you were talking earlier about your qualifications and or your partnerships, um, they Mm -hmm. asked, did you say that you're a part of the National Association of Certified Professional Midwives? I did not say that, no, sir. Okay, okay. I, I said that I am, a found, I am a founding member of the Community Midwives National Alliance, which was founded here in, in Atlanta in 2020. Thank you, dear sister. Thank you, Paula, for your question. That's right. Hello. Community midwives for what now, uh, Sister Safira? National. I was right. Yes, sir. Community Midwives National Alliance. National Alliance. Which is a group yeah. that, yes, a group that is trying to get the credential or the certifying of the community midwife, not the nurse midwife and not the professional midwife, uh, but a pathway for our own. That would be traditional midwifery. Having yes, um, having representation, not that those women are community midwives, but what we're saying is that we respect community we we respect community midwives from the nurse midwife to the professional to the traditional. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will say, "Well, the professional is a traditional." She is, but that organization itself, the uh, the, the certified professional midwife, their organization that they created that name for is about uh, 90%, maybe 98% white women. They have Mm -hmm. issues with their testing when black women and women of color test. These black women seem to fail. They seem to fail the test. They have questions Mm -hmm. on their testing where two answers are right from two separate Mm -hmm. books. You know, Mm -hmm. so there's a systematic issue with that organization um, that that um, hosts that organization. 
so that's where the the community midwife national alliance got founded because there were some women here in georgia some caucasian women that was fighting for um legalizing or getting their bill passed and the irony is that they would come to the to the capital with the black midwives who had started some um some uh you know, legislation. And when theirs looked like it was picking up, they basically had nothing in their legislation that spoke to the caring of and the and the disparities in uh, the, the birthing world regarding black women. And they literally said, if y'all don't like our bill and don't like what we have to say, make your own. And that's what we did. Not only did we make our own, our bill hit, their, hit the floor before theirs, the Senate, they were going through the house. Um, I was, not only that, they ended up coming back to us asking us for help because our senators and our support um, leg, supportive legislators were outnumbering theirs, so they bowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of, Sister Safira, that uh, we had um, Brother Dr. M. Watson, Kevin Washington, on a couple of weeks ago. He's from the Association of Black Psychologists, A.B. Psy, and Sister uh, Dr. Nell Prim, who's a psychiatrist by profession. And um, I've been associated also with the National Association of Black Social Workers. And one time we had a meeting with the American Red Cross, and our people kept saying to them, well, how can your people uh, apply cultural competencies when you have no idea what it is not to mention not they not really wanting to do that and the same barriers they put up with us uh those groups as it related to uh, disasters in communities and having us come in you know when certain natural disasters happen you got to have certain credentials to come into certain areas and uh of course, it's 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 a roadblock and it's deliberate. Going right back to Brother Rudolph's question, but I believe our dear sister Andrea is back in the studio with us. Sister Andrea, I was asking, did you have any questions for Sister Safira based on what you heard her say thus far? I don't have any questions, um, but it was very informative for sure. I mean, I won't be having any more children, but if I were, <laughs> it would be very helpful. Listen, do, oh, my that's, what my last, that's what my last mom said. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, my husband does have a question. Hello, hello. Peace, peace, peace. brother Just Nephew. Hey, how's it going? Just a quick question. I'm... I'm I've been tuned in since 3.59. I know it started at 4, but <laughs> I've been listening. And um, Drea's um, testimony on when she was speaking of giving birth um, to our son, Tegan. Um, one, of, one of the things that happened in that story was as, you know, the her husband in that, in that um, delivery process, I wasn't you know, aware or didn't have the knowledge on, on what to do. Um, the only thing I knew to do was to make sure my wife was as comfortable and as peace as possible. 
unfortunately, on the other side, I was bothered. I was concerned. I was irritated. I was frustrated because I did not like the care um, of the doctors. So my question is, what is your advice? Um, and, Naja, also, you, you can chime in, too, but just what is your advice um, as to what what is a husband's role and what is the best thing for them to do um, during that time? Because we do not want to cause any ruckus in that time. We know that, you know, we want to make sure that our wives are at peace um, right. and we want it to be a peaceful situation. So yeah. what, what is your advice? Sure. Can, I say, can I say something? In the in the go wise ahead. words in the wise words of Riza of Wu Tang, bring the you know what rocket. That is your job. Mm. Yes, you want mm. to create peace and all that. You step outside the room and bring the ruckus. Because if you don't, then you are silently being pushed around. You get what I mean? I'm not. Of course, I'm right. not saying be be a, be a savage, but for the, right, right. For who's more important, the ruckus that you're gonna cause on them, or the ravishing that they'll do on that on that woman's body that you need to go home with your baby with, right? right so right. you have to take a stand. For for the brothers, it's so important for you to know the ledge, have some inf- have information, know your rights, right? Know your rights, and your mm-hmm. right is. They are doing you a service. You are paying them. They are not paying you. You are the you you are the owner. You know what I mean. So what? yes, the culture is to make you believe that you are a minority in that situation. You know what I mean. So one um oh brother Rudy, you talked about having some sort of a um, a will or at minimal have a birth plan. Do a birth plan right. with your wife whenever right. you decide to have another right. baby because the birth plan is going to place things in your head that you may not have thought about or things you thought about that you didn't know that you could request. So that that's mm. from anywhere from turning the lights off and down, from turning the monitors down, from you being able to bring your own uh, music and them allowing, you know, so you you know, just different That's things cool. that you can negotiate. You know, oh, you wanting to take home your placenta. You know what I'm oh, saying? No. The, the oh, different yeah. things. We didn't even different, talk about yeah. that. Right. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the placenta. The different things that you want in for them to do a delayed cord clamp because once that baby comes out and that umbilical cord is starting to exchange that last those last uh, moments of information, you want that to happen. You want that process to take place. You know what I'm saying? So there are things in the birth plan that you will be able to advocate for yourself. One of the things that I do in my birth, when I'm in the hospital or when I take on my clients, I give them, I send them a birth plan. We talk about it, and I tell the father, you are in charge. I am here to comfort her and help y'all understand uh, certain things, right, as it, as it pertains to her comfort and information and all that. But truthfully, if I bring the ruckus, the next client I have is affected by that because that's my job per se. You have to be able to advocate. All they all they need to do, all they need is 
someone who's informed and is not playing with them. Now, you don't got to be nasty. You just have to be knowledgeable at minimal. And that's, that's the point. That, let, let me chime in now on this. Brother, I don't know what your physical stature is, but let me tell you this. Okay? I'm 6'4", 300 pounds. My last three children, I delivered them in the hospital, but I delivered them myself. Um, but I've delivered over 100 babies in the New York City area. Wow. And here's the thing that, uh, to be mindful of, the angry black man syndrome. They will use that against you. If, you, if yeah. you're in there and you're acting, and, and again, I'm talking to you, you, t- you listening to me, we, we, we're the same. So we know, we know what I'm saying without me having to say it. Right. If, you in there, yeah. if, you, if you're in there acting, acting like, acting like that, all they're going to do is call security yeah. and have you escorted out against your will because yeah. they're going to say that you're making them uh, feel scared. So what you have to do is, what you have to do is, first you have to, unemotionally, you have to do your homework. And doing your homework is what Safira said. You have to learn what your rights are, what your wife's rights are. Get, like she said, do that birth plan, but also do that health care proxy. So legally, at the point that that pain gets so intense for your wife that she can't talk, you become her spokesman, and there's nothing they can do. They can't put you out of the room because legally you could be there because you have that piece of paper. The other thing is, the other thing is, doing your homework ahead of time. As uh, like Sabira said, with that birth plan, knowing the things that you can ask for the comfort items, um, and then doing your homework also and doing your research on the facility that you're choosing to have your next your next child in. That goes yeah. a long way also because all facilities are not the same. They're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some some have better amenities than others. Some have better uh, 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 um, outcomes than others. Some have better staffs than others. Um, you just have to, uh, again, as the the three hundred pound gorilla in the room, and they have to know that you're there, and that if necessary, if, 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 if necessary, uh, all right, you will bring the ruckus. But you don't really have to do it. But them seeing you there keeps that always on their mind. What if? Uh, or we better tread lightly because he's there. It just makes so much of a difference having you in the room. Right. That a lot that over seventy percent of the BS that normally would go on won't go on just because you're standing there. So I just wanted to kick, put that in, Sophia. <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, 
because you said don't bring the ruckus. The ru- you do understand no, what no, I mean by no, that. I don't bring it like that. I mean, don't sit <laughs> over the instrument table. You know, don't don't throw you nobody into the wall. No, no, don't lift nobody no, up off the ground by their throat. Right, right, no. Knowledge make sure you do it with words, though. Justin, yeah, make sure you put a uh, tenor, tenor in exactly. your voice if you get pushed to the level. <laughs> and just to say, yo, the edge, and you be like my man on um, the, the first house party. I kick your ass. Uh, you know, you just don't do that. <laughs> Rise above your emotions, my brother. You just have to know. Or sister yeah. Spirit. Y'all, y'all, y'all yeah, brought up yeah. great. Go ahead, sister oh, Spirit. Go ahead. No, no, I just please. want to see how, tell you how serious it is that if these, if some of the men that ain't got their wives right now, you know what I'm saying, didn't have the outcomes that that you have, if only they thought I should have, if if only you know they thinking I should have brought the ruckus, I should have been here right now. Right. Right. You right. Get, no, they weren't there, but they didn't know. You understand? Yeah. You see, there's documentaries out right now. These brothers, these brothers are, they, it's a crisis. These men are losing their wives for the happiest times of their life. You know, for, for moments that are bitter sweet now, you know what I mean? So it's it's serious. It's not, it's not for any reason that we don't see this as serious, you know, detrimental lives are at stake. That's you know, right. so it's it's just vital, and I don't mean to be intense, but it's an intense situation. That's right. It's an intense That's right. situation. Yeah. It's I was I was resuscitated. Yes. I was resuscitated at at my first birth. Mm. How you go in there? I was in there, a seventeen year old girl, ready to have a baby. You know, woke up in ICU with with an intubate with 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 a what was that? It was intubation with a tube yeah. in my throat. Yeah. Thinking when I woke up, I thought somebody was choking me. I didn't know what was going on. Just to wake yeah. up and right. tell, them tell me, hey, we're taking your baby. Took my baby for seven days. I didn't meet my baby till he was seven days old. I was in Mount Vernon Hospital. He was in New York Hospital. You know what I'm saying? Right. These types of things. I don't know what happened in them seven days. We didn't have iPhones or technology and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's important. It's it's very, very vital. But I digress. Go ahead, Brother Rudy. No, no, no. No, you didn't no, digress. Well, You're right on it. And that's right. You definitely the other on part it. to that Yeah, the other part to that is this. Um choice. We're talking about a, a woman's right of choice. And and I said mm-hmm. that this was a teaching moment, so Brother Yusuf, I'm so, I, I got to do it. I got to do it. Sisters, you have the right to choose what goes on with your body. Wouldn't it be nice if you chose to have a brother by your side that you and he decided, this wasn't an accident, y'all decided that you wanted to bring this life into the world and because you decided you wanted to do it, you wanted to be a family together. And because you wanted to be a family together, then that changes the whole environment 
and the entire yeah. relationship, not just between you and he, but it changes the relationship between the two of you as a team and that health care system. Because that's what you right. have to have. You have to have a partner, a team, because that health care system is a beast. I work in it, and I've worked in it for over 40 years. It's a beast, and it's designed to devour you and to devour your baby as soon as it comes into the world. And this is not a, net, a Netflix special. This ain't no, uh, 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 um, what, what's them, uh, 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 uh uh, movies that come on, you know. Th- yeah, this ain't one of them movies. This is real talk, real talk. Do you know the the misuse and abuse that goes on inside hospitals behind those closed doors simply because they can do it? Do you placenta? What you baby. Because when they put you into the reasons. But there are reasons that you should request it. But that's another show for another time. But again, these are just some things that people need to know. So there's a whole education that has to go on within the family about birth, giving birth, the process to do it, not talking about the act of it. We're talking about the process leading up to it um, and the things that come behind it. And now this black maternal health we're in, um, a.k.a. the postpartum depression that can go from the time be, be, that, from the time she delivers, it can be years later before that thing into overdrive or kick. And, and and these are the things, there are things that you need to look out for, things to be aware of, things that you should be um, um, t- trying to mitigate for. But if you don't know, you don't know. Brother Yusuf, you don't. Yes. Can I allow back off of y'all? <laughs> <laughs> um, of course the, you can. The other piece is, Consider home birthing, you know, consider it. And one of the things that I love about my midwife and the midwives that I'm connected with is that when they go for, once they have the client, the dad has to. It is is a part of the um, process where the father is learning how to measure the mother's stomach, you know, how to rub her, how to palpitate and pull the baby, pull the baby's back, what position the baby is in. And then the, 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 also the thing is, is that they, um, that the midwife tells him from the beginning, the action from the beginning, are you catching your baby? So he puts everything in the phone's hand. And I tell you, every time you see a man, Poke his baby. It takes him from. I mean, it just grows him up. You know what I mean? It elevates him, I should say. And um, it, it's powerful. It's powerful. So there have been times where 
the midwife and I or or the mid maybe I'm working but the midwife may not get to the mother or you know right in time and dad has caught his child and he doesn't feel inadequate because he's being taught as he goes on he's being empowered as he goes on the only man I believe that belongs in a birth is the husband that's just me personally I I I'm not real big, and I'm not saying anything about brothers that's in the field catching babies. I, I get it. But as far as an OBG or anything like that, I'm not necessarily a fan of it, except for when it's a father. You know what I mean? In emergency, in emergency situations, I it, listen, I get it. I don't have any beef with that. You know what I mean? But um, men should be trained just like women are trained to have babies, uh, to bread, not that, sorry, of um, raise that, oh, they're going to make great mothers. And young men should be taught that they're going to be great fathers and they're going to catch their own babies and they're going to do. So it's a cultural thing that we have to shift from. Number one, doing for self. You know what I'm saying? Doing for self. How can we do for self? We go, we learn, we get a skill, we, and, and we utilize that skill to maintain a lifestyle for ourselves. It's the same way in birth. I mean, that, that's, that's what you call, you know, from truly from the beginning. You know what I mean? And, and keep passing that, that culture on, you know? We want to teach them how to, how they, you know, how to shoot guns and how to play basketball and this and that. But what about catching the baby? What about cultivating a life, a, a, a long married life for them and, a, and their future wife? You know what I mean? So it's just a cultural shift that, um, surpri- that surprisingly, it is happening. It may not happen as far out and wide as as we would want it to, but, uh, you know, one birth at a time, you know, one family at a time, it's, it's going to be a shift. We just have to implement it. Beautiful. Uh, you know, based on the question that Brother Justin mentioned as a father and, you know, the situation, the circumstances around it, Brother Rudolph, you mentioned um, choices and not all hospitals are the same. It raised a question in my mind, Sister Safira, you being in Georgia, Brother Rudolph right now being in Michigan, me in Virginia, are all the laws the same or do they vary state by state? They vary. Yes. State by state. Yep. They do vary. And, and they can be they can be drastically different. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Well, I thank you for that and um you know, based on this article, it just buttressed everything you said, Sister Safira, relative to uh, the family plan. And it says a birth plan is essentially a communication tool. This document is meant to convey the wishes of the family in regards to the environment or vibe, if you will, that they envision for their birth. The birth plan outlines the family's understanding of and consent to common birth practices and interventions. The act of creating a birth plan is powerful in that families now must research and gain knowledge about all of the possible choices they may be faced with before, during, and after the birth. 
So that was already said. I just wanted to buttress, and then uh, I thought this was very interesting in terms of the economics. In this article, there's a Dr. Charles C. Green, whose expertise is in prenatal and pediatric care, said to the final call, and I quote, essentially, what has happened is that you have to understand the science and financial value of the sick in America. A baby that's born between 26 and 28 weeks, the hospital system makes almost $1 million if that baby survives. In our country, a doctor doesn't make money when you're well. They make money when you're sick. So it's not in the interest of the medical system to have a well baby, quote, unquote. Anybody like to respond to that? Yes. So there are um, third world countries whose um, birth rate is so, 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 so much better than ours. And they don't have the resources that we have. They don't have the doctors. They're exclusively midwives. Right? They don't have the technology. They don't even have lights to have a baby in the middle of the night. But some way, somehow, they get they they get it done. And the mother thrives and the baby thrives. And they have way more success than Georgia. Georgia is lacking behind slightly behind uh Louisiana. You know, and Georgia's supposed to be this this new metropolitan. I mean, they want to compare it to, you know, this Mecca, you know? Mm-hmm. This, I mean, now, I will recognize that, you know, there's a lot of births happening that ain't happening in the, you know, in, in the hospitals. And, and I really am grateful for the side of you know, the fence that I'm on. You know, I'm really happy and grateful for uh all of the, all of, you know, my 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 journey in this birth world. But it does really it, it's really disappointing. And there's nothing that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad nothing he said was wrong. You know, doing for self it's a foundation. It's the foundation, self-preservation, all of the above, everything he said. And we have to, we have to, you know, build on that and, and just and, and start doing our own, your birth, your community, your family, you know, your hospital, your birth center. Your home should be your idea of your birth center, you know. Mm-hmm. Where you live mm-hmm. and I'm just you know hospitals sometimes like hospitals are for emergencies they have they definitely one hundred percent have their purpose uh, with my two daughters i i um my daughter my first daughter when she was having um my granddaughter we labored for twenty four hours we labored for twenty four hours and when I knew that she when she started cursing 
and getting real out of sorts, that's when I said, all right, yeah, it's time to go to the hospital. So she wasn't, she didn't want a, a home birth. So I said, yep, it's time to go to the hospital because, you know, she's acting other than herself. So I knew that mm-hmm. that was a telltale sign that she was close. When we got there, she was eight and a half centimeters. Within a, within two hours, she had the baby. That's, your, that's, that's the idea. That's what I tell my family. Like, laboring at home is what we do. And then you can have the baby at the hospital. You know? So yes, if there's no if there's no problem. My other daughter, she was good up until when she her water broke and it splashed out and I saw a light tinge of green. I'm not playing with my daughter. So I said, You know what? I see I saw the tinge. The midwife hadn't got there yet. I'm taking her. I called the midwife, I said, I see the meconium. I don't feel comfortable. I'm thinking she better take her. She met me there. My daughter had the baby in that hour. No, but we labored. We labored. We did the work. And, you know, it's not going to just be, oh, I'm just going to push the baby out and hold my baby. And, you know, no, it's, it's hopefully it'll be like that. But it's going to be work. That's why it's called labor. We have to work the body, you know, work the mind and, and be, you know, be proactive. Eat right, rest right, stress less, pray more, <laughs> you know, make sure you're hydrated. Those are, those are your, your key pointers and factors. You can have the birth you want. You were designed to do it, you know. Beautiful. Thank you, sister. Beautiful. Um, yes, Sister Spirit, do you have any questions for Brother Justin and his wife, Sister Andrea, or something they should consider uh, post-having birth or, you know, as they raise the children that they have? And I, I think that the ages range from, what, 12 down? How old is Amelia, Justin? Uh, eight years old, um, all the way down to eight two weeks. The two weeks, and you have four Aww, children. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. She's listening, but like you said, she's on mother duty. He had to pick up one of the boys, so you <laughs> may not hear her, but she's listening. She's doing that. Um, I would just encourage you that, um, you know, if you do it again, that you just you know, you know what you know now. You utilize. You know? Right. Um, at minimal, get yourselves a doula. Look for a midwife practice of that that even though sometimes the system, you know, gets to them, still go for a black provider. Right. That has not not just one black provider in the office but a but but the practice is black owned. You know what I mean? Right. And things, yep. things like that. You know, consider a home birth. If you're planning, you know, put the $5,000 to the side if you can. You know, um, things of that nature. And also, even find a doula or a midwife that might um, specialize in postpartum care. 
so that mom has additional resources and information. You know, it's a, a lot. Right now, the Dove Foundation and Mama Glow, I don't know this sister personally, but um, the, she has, they have a, a grant. They may cover postpartum. If you look it up, the Dove Foundation might cover postpartum care. Your local, um, your local, maybe, I don't know, you know, maybe even your, your, your insurance, rather, may have a program, a postpartum program that, you know, does everything from giving you a breast pump to mom getting some extra care or some, uh, you know, um, a, a doula to just assist them. Just look for, you, for resources. You'd be surprised what um, what's there for you. Sister Safira, I'm sorry I asked you to answer uh, Brother Justin because his wife, Andrea, says she ain't having it no more. So, look, just pass that on to your twin brother, all right? You pass that information or have have, 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 have Cena tune into the archives of this show so he can hear for himself that he might need to consider. <laughs> but, 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 even. Even with that being said, even with that being said, that that is just something to keep in mind because, you know, I I may be a grandfather, you know, and and my daughter may need me there, and so um, I don't think you guys could have said said it even, you know, more better than how you said it. Um, Just to have the knowledge. it's going to be very important for many reasons. So, yeah, so even though our generation you never know what I might, you know, be into in the future or for others. So. That's right. Beautiful. Like, we all right. end up, you know what I love is that all of, like, I don't care if you're an EMT, a nurse, whatever, doula, whatever, you become an asset to your family when you take these roles. You know, you become that family to go to. Oh, I feel good. What should I do? You know what I'm saying? There's a trust that is that. Pardon me. Okay. Yeah. There's a trust that that's formed. You know, there's there's a there's a pride when my when my children say, "Oh, um, my mom just do that." They say that with pride. My do when a when a woman says, "Oh, my doula." You know, even a dad, like, there's nothing more proud than a father who knew what and was ready to do what he had to do. It's nothing like that. They get to talk, and now they can have conversations with new people, and it brought in so much. It's a a beautiful sight to see, and it feels good. It feels good. It's like your win is my win. You know, that's, that's that concept of winning. As a people, every child that survives the system's hospital is a win. You know, That's and right. we winning. We winning. Beautiful. Brother Rudolph? I'm doing well. Oh, man. Listen, I, I don't have that to say, Brother Rudolph. I don't have that to say. Yeah, she dropping the mic for sure, for sure. We thank you, sister. <laughs> for sure, for Praise sure. And since thank we're at so the much. last 17 minutes. We are, 
And let me just say this, on, on the note of you all having me on the show, I truly appreciate it. We are literally en route to a birth where the mom's water has broken. She has been in labor all day, asked her just to keep going. She has her family with her, but I've been in that class. That was a mandatory class for me. And um, I'm just acting as her doula, but uh, she has her sisters and her mother and the family's there. And we're literally on our way to her right now. You can't make this up. You can't make it up. In the case that he has the baby um, today, I will be sending Brother Rudy some pictures, <laughs> and you all can share that joy with us. Well, we thank you, so dear thank sister, you. for taking time out of your busy schedule to be uh, on our program this week. And, of course, you know our arms are always wide open to you if you desire to come back on and share the yes, update sir. of the landscape from your profession and from the thank compassion you. and love that you share with the community. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, you, dear sister. Thank you know, you so one much. of our listening audience has already shot us the link to uh, your your organization, the Community Midwife National Alliance. And so um, we encourage all our yes. listeners to look that up as you can get in also, contact with um, our dear sister. Black, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Black Midwives Nova Georgia, um, if you'd like to follow me um, on Instagram, I am currently at Spa underscore S-P-A underscore doula D-O-U-L-A-H love and that is my, you can contact me on there as well beautiful beautiful That's and uh, what was the other thing I want to say or maybe I can, what I'm going to try to do um, brother Yusuf and Rudy I'm going to try and maybe have it to where I can get the midwives I work with to get on the line with us Plan a, plan oh, we definitely have a part two. We definitely okay, have a part two. Yeah. Definitely. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Safira. Thank you. You're welcome. May Allah oh, continue to bless e- you, man. Eid Mubarak, family. Eid Kareem. Eid Kareem. We want to thank our dear okay. sister, Sister Safira, and Thank you, Brother Justin, Sister Andrea, your wonderful wife, Sister Nasia. Thank you, daughter-in-law, for your, you know, time, commitment, and concern in the midst of doing your motherly duties. And so as we enter into the last uh, 14 minutes of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, Brother Rudolph, I'll let you go ahead and share what's on your mind. I, I really don't see anything from FEMA uh, this week that, that's relative, but um, I do have a bulletin from the All Healers Mental Health Alliance. We'll get that in before we close out. Go ahead, Brother Rudolph. Yes, sir. All I'm going to add to Brother Yusuf, all I'm going to add to it right now is the fact that, again, we do for self or self of the consequences. There's nobody's fault but ours if we keep getting treated badly in these institutions and in these places because we make up 75% of the workforce everywhere. I don't care what company you're talking about, what institution. You look around there, who you going to see? Us. 
So why don't us have a place for us to work? And whatever excuse you can give, again, it's our get to the bottom of it. We have to learn to start trusting each other more. We have to learn to start working together. We are no more dysfunctional than any other group out there. They just hide theirs better. That's all. That's all. So, you know, we we just have to uh, stop, stop, believe, stop drinking the Kool-Aid, all right? Don't believe the hype, and we just have to decide that we want better for us as a family and us as a people, and then we have to put our money where our mouth is, and then we'll have it. This country is for sale. There are hospitals closing down in every major city. Why can't we put our together and open one of them up and then hire the the people in it that are going to be the best fit for the mission of that particular hospital when it comes to the care for our people. And, and, and that's just, you know, a question that I have, Brother Yusuf. I don't expect anybody to answer it. Um, it, it it's just a question. It's just something to make you go, hmm, in mm-hmm. my Arsenio Hall voice. Brother Yusuf? Yes, sir. Well, you know, we oftentimes say, Brother Rudolph, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? Then when? So, look, right. I, I, I want to encourage those uh, in our listening audience to uh, go to the final call, dot. Uh, org or .com, if you will, or get a final call from any Fruit of Islam or member of the Nation of Islam that you know in your local community because the baseline article of our program today is based on uh, what is on the cover, Taking Charge of Black Maternal Health. And at the top, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan uh, has a lecture that he did, and he actually did a lecture series back in the late 80s entitled How to Give Birth to a God. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Uh, What did Brother Rudolph say? We must do for self or suffer the consequences, which is actually a quote from the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. So that's one announcement. Get the final call, y'all. Get the final call, y'all. It's news with views you can use. And then we have a public service announcement from the All Healers Mental Health Alliance. Shout out to Dr. Nell Prim. News and updates of this month, 2023. They're having their uh, monthly meeting. But uh, to the partners, you, you can get the updates on the tornadoes in Mississippi. And there's a new group. I think she has something to do with it, Brother Rudolph. It's called the Black Reliance Network Emergency Operations Center. Again, the Black Reliance Network Emergency Operations Center. So you can get an update on what they're doing. That's a mouthful. We have to look that up, get the link. I think it's connected to the uh, All Healers Mental Health Alliance. 
Also, don't forget about the information on all of the disasters, past and present, including the violence, the fires, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the earthquakes, and COVID-19, as well as resources to address the unmet needs. And guess what? My father used to say, my biological father used to say, the life you save may be your own. So make sure we're cognizant about self-care because we can't help anybody unless we help ourselves. It's like when you get on the airplane and they tell you to don that face mask if necessary. They say, put yours on first before you try to help anybody else. They offer in their bulletin a African proverb on wisdom. Nigerian proverb to be specific. It says, in the moment of crisis, the wise build bridges and the foolish build dams. So that goes right to our communications strategy. I figured you would ask me to say that again. This is a Nigerian proverb, and it states, it's on wisdom, and I quote, In the moment of crisis, the wise build bridges and the foolish build dams. So ponder on that. More things to make you go, um, make you think, um. Now, also, there's a uh, conference called Hope in Harlem, connecting community members and clinicians to learn, to laugh, and to hope together. There's a conference on May 13th. Uh, they got various speakers, and one of them, Brother Rudolph, I don't know if you remember uh, Brother Marcus and Brother Allen from Westchester who yes, uh, held it down. I remember when their youngest daughter was in, I ain't trying to say my age, nephew, don't laugh, but now she's Dr. Corinne Glover, a health equity specialist. So we need to get her on the show. Good that she's doing good things. This conference will bring together nationally recognized experts and community partners to share the best practices around innovative mental health services in Harlem and surrounding New York area following a wellness fair post-conference. So these are just some of the things going on around the country. Uh, they have on this bulletin the American Logistics Aid Network, otherwise known as Allen's Survey on Disaster Relief. Uh, They received a grant, Brother Rudolph, from Walmart Foundation to examine the equitable distribution of aid after disasters. Some they didn't call us. Anyway, they connected with... Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just that, you know, you got to be in the right place at the right time and you got to fight through that rigmarole that, you know, you talked about and Sister Sapira talked about as it relates to uh, uh, the general uh, system of things, if you will. So that that's yeah. the... Uh, that's the update of the landscape. She also has a clip in the bulletin on the Black Reliance Network Emergency Operations Center 
and you can click on it uh, to get an update. Of course, anti-violence virtual <laughs> anti-violence virtual summit 2023. That already took place on March 9th, but you can go to that. Uh, All Healers Mental Health Alliance partnered with the Lansing, Michigan, the Lansing Association of Black Social Workers and a group called Pain Unwasted, Brother Rudolph. That's right in your area, Michigan. And so, you know, things are happening, brothers and sisters. We just got to ask ourselves, where are we as it relates to uh, saving our own lives, saving our children's lives, our wives, spouses, lives, all of these things are very much uh, in the news. Um, of course, look, Brother Rudolph, we, we opened with Id Mubarak, uh, but you know over in the Sudan, talk about global news, they have a 72-hour ceasefire for the Id al-Fitr. So they're at war, civil war in Sudan. They're going to stop fighting for three days. And if they don't get pieces on and crack it again, boy, oh, boy. For those who don't know, at this point in Sudan. They stop for the three days. Yeah, yeah, because at this point. At least they recognize that. Yes, sir. Settle on the best part, because at this point there's over 413 that have been killed and 35, and the new quote-unquote president over there, their slogan is one army, one people. Ah, then, you know, the meteorologists are talking about Greenland and Antarctica, the, the ice melt going on with the highest carbon in wildfires. Of course, Russia and Ukraine still going on, and the U.S. is getting reeled in, been in, quiet as it's kept, with NATO. So many things going on globally that mainstream media is not going to tell you. So we thank our listening audience once again as we get ready to close out. I'm going to let Brother Rudolph have the last words. But uh, keep your ear to the ground, Lord willing. Next week we'll have another exciting, for me, it was uh, very mentally and spiritually stimulating to hear from our guests, Brother Justin, Sister Andrea Petaway, Sister Nasia Stevenson, and, of course, our dear sister, Sister Safira, a doula and midwife assistant, part of that Community Midwives National Alliance. Thank you for allowing me to serve you this week as I hand it over to our more than capable uh, co-host, my dear brother, Rudolph T. Muhammad. Brother Rudolph? Thank you, Brother Yusuf. And, yes, Ed Kareem to you and the family. Brother, go and enjoy. You deserve it. And, uh, take a moment and, uh, you know, savor a good, a good cup of coffee or a good cup of tea and mm-hmm. a, a nice slice of bean pie if you could find it. <laughs> Those things seem to be hard to come by now. Uh, a decent meal. A, a, a good quality meal. That's right. You know, and then lastly, but not in any particular order, you know, just spending some wholesome time with the family. Sit yes, around sir. and talk. Laugh. 
crack some jokes, just get to enjoy one another with this time that we have because time is not guaranteed for anyone. Don't always think that you have time because in the twinkling of an eye, in the blink of an eye, it can be gone. And then all the shrivel could have wordings don't mean a thing. So if there's somebody that you if there's somebody that you particularly care about, tell them while you got a chance. Um, what we are gonna, right. what we are going to uh, do is um, the first response EMS, which is the only black EMS service here in Michigan. We're going to uh, host the show to talk about. Uh, some necessary things from the EMS community, but also as a recruitment thing to try and urge more of our young brothers and sisters out there to get into the emergency medical service uh, to become EMTs uh, because your community needs it. There's a, a drastic, a vast shortage, but there's no shortage of work. But it's a great job. It's a great uh, um platform, launch platform for anybody who wants to get into the medical field, but more so just to get, if you do nothing but get the knowledge for you and your family, because at the times that are coming, you're going to call 911 and you're going to get a bill. Sure. Or you're not going to get any answer at all, because all the operators are going to be tending to the emergencies with their own families. This system is going to crash this system as we know it. What are you going to do when disaster is coming to a city near you? Thank you, family. We love you. May God bless you and keep you, and we pray that we can communicate with you again next week on the same station at this 7 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Black Hole Network. This is Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your co-hosts, Brother Yusuf Muhammad and Brother Rudolph Muhammad. As-salamu alaykum, and may heaven smile. <laughs> Wa alaykum salam, Eid Kareem.